Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. My name is Sarah Pinty. I am a CFP, which is a certified financial planner. I host the Future Rich podcast. Um, so if you listen to that, you hear what a CFP is all the time. Um, and my background was in on Wall Street. I was a derivatives broker, and now I do personal finance. And I met the lovely Marcus on a Yahoo event, and we have stayed um, friends, personal finance friends since, and we've done a few things together. Um, and Marcus has a great background, which is why we wanted to do this together. Uh, Marcus of the Marcus Garrett Show uh, wrote a book called Debt Free or Die Trying in 2016, re-released a second edition in 2020, became a bestseller on Kindle. Thank you to those who bought. Um, And personal budgeting and I think adult education, I probably should know this, an adult education. Uh, Day job is certified internal auditor, so I use data and facts. And as I now brand myself, I use facts to form opinions rather than opinions to form facts. And yeah, we met. I appreciate that trip down memory lane. We did meet on Yahoo. I, th- I thought we met at FinCon. I was like, yeah, we did meet on no. Yahoo, uh, the stage of Yahoo. It seems like such a, a strange time ago without mask and <laughs> in person. I think we shook hands. That's my back in the day story. Uh, and let me go ahead and bring up the presentation because I've already vowed not to say. Um, the other thing, which I'm still not going to say. And let's get started. Here we go. And this is the drop financial and the Marcus Garrett. What does a six figure salary get you? That's what you're here for. I kind of look at it like you start off at a first job. We're going to talk a little bit about um, why there's nothing wrong. We don't uh, entrepreneur shame around here and you kind of go the traditional employment route. Uh, I talk a lot with my hands, so you can see that flying around the screen. I apologize. Somebody recently asked me if I was a rapper. I'm not sure if that was an insult, uh, but I'm going to take it as a compliment. And then a lot of people, I feel like, stagnate around there. So we're going to talk about the importance of salary negotiation and how that leads to your growth and why that's important. And then what I think people completely fail at and what will be our specialty here is the traditional employment, but then going over to side hustles and passive income. 
grow your little tree a little bit more from there. And then what I think we have found, and I know I have, is then multiplying those income streams, which is yep. kind of now my focus uh, and kind of what I want to do now. Go ahead. Yeah, the more income streams, the better. So we'll talk about that. But yeah, as you said, traditional employment is the best place to start and where most people start. So we'll definitely talk about that. And sometimes for some people, that's the, the path they want to be on and go down. And we'll talk about how you can maximize that. Definitely, definitely. Again, nothing wrong. We won't shame anybody about entrepreneurship. <laughs> we will mention some data around entrepreneurship, but we won't shame anybody. Definitely, definitely. And you can make a lot of money uh, to traditional employment. I think it's like yeah. 90%. Um, we'll see. Uh, I think it's 2 million, trying to use those facts. Uh, I think it's over 2 million. Over the course of their career. Yeah, over the average yeah. course of their career is about 2 million. So, you yeah, know, once again, you can make a lot of money at that traditional employment. I'll set the stage here. Uh, Six figure components. So I use this slide and this picture, if you will, which is my right and perhaps your left if this is a mirror. To can I see them as all related? Uh, I turn it over to you to kind of break down the hundred thousand dollars salary. Sure. And so hundred thousand dollars salary, which I think a lot of people are striving for, works out to be just over eight thousand a month. And that's I want to highlight that's a gross number. And so it's going to vary by where you live, by state predominantly, and also city, how much you're going to be netting out of that. So for the person who's here from New York City, your net's going to be different because you're going to be paying New York state tax and you're going to be paying city tax. But the overall threshold of a six-figure salary is going to be that $100,000 mark. And then that's going to be working out to be just over the 8000 gross. And so um, Marcus came up with this uh, great graphic here, which I think really ties it all together. So Job choice, we're going to talk about that plays a huge role in getting to six figures. Your salary range, um, we're going to talk about salary ranges and salary bands. Um, continuing professional education, negotiating your salary. Um, also your mindset. I think we're both big believers in mindset and habits uh, factor into this as well, um, along with the 80-20. So like, how can you supplement maybe your traditional employment with side hustles if you need to get that number higher? And before I jump to the next slide, the early arrivers, about every five to 15 minutes, we'll drop your webinar bonuses and we'll email those out to you. So if you're mobile, don't panic. We'll get all this information out to you uh, via email after this presentation as well. So like I said, I see them all as uh, I'm going to spotlight the red. So that's what we'll be talking about in that in that area. But I see them all as interrelated factors. So that's why I chose this figure. Um, I bought a data package. So you're going to see a lot of figures coming out of these webinars in the next few months because I, I got to make it worth the, uh, the return on investment, which we'll probably talk about as well. So let's talk a little bit about salary range. Uh, I'll let you go through the story, but you found a getting to six figures um, story from Yahoo Finance, uh, yep. had a few facts in there. Um, the, the title was one surprising fact to me, but that millennials have higher salaries than Gen Xers and Boomers. And I'll jump to this slide and you can talk a little bit about why that is or what you saw in that data. So it actually said that 31% of millennials and Gen Zers didn't believe they would ever pull in 100,000. So right out of the gate, you know, we're going to talk more about mindset, but believing that you can do it is, I feel like, step number one. Um, and then they also broke down, besides age, uh, they also broke down race, and it was about 40% of white respondents didn't believe they would ever earn 100000 So once again, I feel like this will lead into like what we talk about with mindset, how it's important to believe you can, because once you, you know, change that mindset, it's more likely it'll happen. And the other piece, and I should have said this for those of you who are like, What's the range that we're talking about? I looked it up, Google, so it could be wrong. <laughs> 1981 to 1996 is the millennial uh, that they define. And so that's a pretty big range. It's from age 25 to 40. Um, CNBC like is doing, 
Yeah. Point yeah. out, we're both in there. I think they call us a. I think we were like an elder millennial. I think someone mentioned geriatric millennial. I prefer elder. I think the yeah. most offensive one I saw was geriatric millennial, and it's like <laughs> the latter half of. I think it's thirty-eight to forty. So thirty-eight to forty is geriatric millennial, which unfortunately I also fall into. Um, so the oldest millennials, if you depending where you fall in that range, will turn forty this year. So some people are like shocked and appalled by that. Some people are forty, so they're like, yeah, of course, obviously, I'm one of them. Um, another fact that uh, actually I believe this came from a different article was less than 10% of adults earn, of individuals, let me be very clear, because this is one of those people, this is one of those things you post innocently, and I think it got like 25 retweets, which is 25 more than I usually get. <laughs> uh, so that's individual, not household. Um, I think household. Right, because that's, a, that's a, such a different number. That could be two people yeah. earning 50,000 versus one person earning 100. Exactly. Oh, yeah. And then doesn't household include like everybody over 18 or over 14 or some kind of weird working age? So this is a survey by YouGov of individuals and 10 percent of them made less than 100,000, which I'll be perfectly honest, but I was surprised by I, I maybe I've been on Twitter too much. Like I thought there would be more people because everybody. <laughs> Yeah, or I was gonna say Twitter or TikTok. Everyone there is rich. Um, I was I'm surprised by this number as well because I feel like when we get through this a little bit further, it's like very attainable if if it's what something you want. Yeah, I think. Um, and someone pointed this out to me is number one, the coasts are overrepresented on yeah. TikTok and social media. So you hear about the people who are talking about how much money they make are like California, New York, Florida. Maryland. <laughs> uh, so that's like what's representing the conversation. And then, you know, that, that's what that's a big population, but it's like 5% of America in total population. So someone actually pointed that out. They were from New York. If they're in the chat room, shout out to you. Uh, they were like, you know, that's being skewed by the coast. Yeah. And then it's interesting because the coast have the higher um, cost of living. Right. So right. interesting that they're making more but the cost of living. So you could actually make a little bit less and be somewhere in the middle of the country, which we both are currently, and yes. your cost of living could be nicer. And I'm gonna talk about how to normalize that uh, conversation with some of these salary calculators. Um, one, for example, from CNN Money, they normalize what your salary is equal to. So if you live in California or Texas like myself, so for example, when I moved to Colorado, I'll share this story later, I did not use the calculator <laughs> and I negotiated my salary based on a uh, popular movie, which I'm actually ashamed to say uh, that I watched. That's all I had to go on because they were like, what's your salary expectations? And I was like, I had a flashback to this movie I had watched where this guy made a lot of money or so I thought at the time. And that was the salary I, I asked for. I also learned many years later that I heard the salary wrong. So the guy in the movie asked for $10,000 more than I asked for. I'm still a little sensitive about this. Another fact from uh, the millennial next door, which is actually one of my, or, excuse me, the millennia, millionaire. There. The millennial next door. That could be a good title. <laughs> I was like, dang, I shouldn't have said that out loud. Um, entrepreneurs are overrepresented among millionaires. So once again, not employee shaming. Uh, entrepreneurs are 20% of total um, employees in America, but they're four times more likely to be represented in the millionaire population. So those who, and when I say entrepreneur, I'm also going to include side hustles, yeah. passive income, and a term that I stole, just like I did geriatric millennial. You heard this term, poly workers? No. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> once again, Twitter. Um, poly worker is someone actually it said millennials and I think Gen Z, which is the, the term for uh, under 25, apparently, 
um, they're they're not choosing full time work. So all those TikTokers out there, oh, uh, okay. they're choosing multiple jobs and multiple income streams rather than traditional full time work. That makes sense, though. I, I feel like I'm hearing more and more about that. And then I would even say for those people that maybe identify with traditional employment and you're seeing this statistic where four times more likely to be a millionaire if you're an entrepreneur. I agree with Marcus that you could be having a side hustle nights and weekends and put yourself in that category. And I wrote another one down is that um, that millennial optimism, 60 percent expect to be millionaires in their lifetime. 60% of millennials expect to be millionaires within their lifetime. Well, that definitely helps with the mindset. That's important. Yeah, let's come back to that. <laughs> uh, then, I'm, obviously, I'm going to turn this one over to you. I have thoughts and opinions, but I will defer accordingly. Uh, for the gender gap, 9% earning at least 100000 or more, as we talked about earlier, two times as many men earning a six-figure salary than women. I think you, I'm going to stop the screen share because I think you have a story around this of experience that you I do have. A, I do have a story. So a quick story about how to be empowered um, when negotiating your salary. So when I started out at Bloomberg, I was in a male-dominated industry. Um, fairly, we had females, but predominantly more male. And so I went in and negotiated for my salary. I, you know, I think I probably could have done it better. I decided I was going to be their best salesperson. I decided I should let them know. And I deserved a raise in anticipation of being the best. I found out they don't actually pay in advance of sales. They pay after you are the best salesperson. But in hindsight, I'm glad that I did it. I found out from the one of the managers years later, I've stayed in touch. He now has three daughters. At the time, I think everybody was a little floored that I would be so bold to go in and ask for such a large raise. And we were having, you know, catching up, I want to say like five years later. And he was like, you know, at the time I didn't really recognize it, but you were right to do that being a female in that industry and a young female that, you know, advocating yourself is so important. And I'm going to make sure my daughters do that too, because I was being, wasn't confirmed, but it was implied that I was being underpaid compared to my male counterparts. And so I think a lot of the time women don't want to have it. It's an uncomfortable conversation. And I find that women kind of, you know, it's uncomfortable. So therefore they're just going to wait and hope that their work shows that they deserve more money rather than just, there's nothing lost from the conversation. You can go in and say, you need, you feel that you should be paid more. And we'll go over like how to kind of justify that from a business standpoint and not an emotional standpoint. And it's uncomfortable, but it's only uncomfortable for that moment. And then you're done. And if you're being underpaid, it's a great way to kind of move your, uh, your salary band up. Um, so one question, and y'all have made it through the first 15 minutes and actually have people join rather than job. So, you know, I can, I'm I've been sure on, I yeah, I've heard, I've been on webinars where it's like, you know, I'm like, oh, okay, that, that's what's up. Not me, of course, not me. I'm in the, I'm in the chat room. So I'm going to drop the first offer in the chat room. It'll actually be yours, seven days of financial strategy, and it's yours free. So this is your first free offer yep. that should exactly. be dropping right now. Uh, so you get free access to that. Uh, do you want to speak to And the question I was going to have for you is, did you make that ask out of blissful ignorance or did you go in informed as far as asking for more salary? Like what led you to ask for that? Because I do believe that that is what's being discussed and encouraged now is to, to negotiate your salary. Yeah, no, absolutely. And negotiation is a, it's a huge point because typically your biggest opportunity is when you get that new job versus when you're once you're in the firm. Um, I went in as an entry level person and had moved my way up and was now on a sales team. I passed all my qualifications. And so I felt that 
once I succeeded through the sales program, had all my qualifications, was now going to be a salesperson. My salary needed to move up to equate to a salesperson and not an entry level customer service rep, which is where I was. Um, their argument back to me, which was fine, was you haven't done any sales. You were just allowed up. I was in the basement studying for all my sales training. You've just been released from the basement. We need to see some numbers. Um, and that was fine. So then I said to them, you know, the counter argument was like, okay, if this is what I want to outline what I need to do, like how many accounts do I need to close? What revenue do I need to bring into you? Because this is the, this is where I want to be salary wise. And I know from research that that salary is a reasonable salary for a financial salesperson. So can you please tell me what I need to do then to get there so we can reevaluate this in six months, which we did. And then in 12 months, I had a pretty egregious ask. I think it was, I asked them to double my salary. So it was like, pretty high. It wasn't totally like unreasonable given what people got paid, but I just didn't have enough, you know, experience in that field. I, I could have gotten there, but I think I ended up getting a 40% increase within 12 months after they asked me specifically, you know, they told me specifically what I need to do. I confirmed with an email saying, here are all the things you said in the meeting, did a six month check-in to make sure they were satisfied with my work confirmed the following things. And then when I went into my review, I was like, you know what I'm expecting here, are all the things I delivered on based on six months and 12 months ago. So it made it much easier. I will say it was incredibly uncomfortable when I first asked, because they did everything in their power not to blatantly laugh, but they were definitely trying to cover up the laughing. So. That's interesting because that is to me impressive, especially what sounds like to be a, a, a younger story at that age. Because I'm going to tell you what I did. It's the exact reverse opposite of that. <laughs> and I still got a race. <laughs> so, uh, but it's you came with research. And then when that did not work, you did not just give up, you know, put your head down give, and, and take what they gave you. You're like, OK, what do I need to get to what I still want to achieve? I'm going to write that down. And then I'm going to hold you as management accountable to this commitment. And I think that is, you know, Beautiful. I, I feel like um, that is like the 360 that's lost because you're right. It is uncomfortable for them to say no and for you to go back and say, I remember y'all saying no, but here's what you said to get to yes. Mm -hmm. Let's revisit that conversation. And you tracked it. So, you know, I right. like facts. And it was professional. Like it was like, OK, I understand that it's a no and this is what I'm looking, how I'm looking to grow my career. Because I and I think we'll talk more about it, but I think some people bring in personal, like, well, but I have rent or I have student loans, which is not really the manager's concern. Their concern is how you're contributing to the profitability of the company. Right, and we've got your financial uh, planning course available. They've got uh, 90 seconds to open up and say, I mean, you saved the window. We're going to follow up with this, but this was your reward yep. for staying with us, and there'll be more. Um, do you want to talk a little bit about that? Yep. So it's seven days of strategies bundled up really nicely in seven, seven minutes a day about, and it goes over all of the basics of personal finance. So if you want an intro course or just want a refresher on your skills with personal finance, this is a very quick and easy way. And it comes with a great workbook with little bits of homework to kind of help you improve on your personal finances. So I only have to twist the knife a little bit. We'll go back to the presentation. But if you're watching the replay, don't you wish you were here? And if you're listening on the podcast, don't you wish you could see this? That being said, let's jump right back into the presentation. I'll keep that live in the chat room for a second here. And and by the way, I know some of y'all are judging at home. Yes, I am using PowerPoint, not Google Slides. And I have my reasons. <laughs> let's talk about 
<laughs> abundance mindset. Uh, despite the large pay gaps, uh, persons of colors, only 20% of black respondents were downbeat about their future earnings, uh, which I thought, again, we talked a little bit about mindset. Uh, I won't go into it in depth here, but there's a, a podcast that I dropped uh, recently about mental health and going to therapy. And I, uh, I found a psychiatrist. But I say that because I think some people hear mindset, they kind of think like, people sitting around in like fleece robes and soft slippers. And I really do believe that it's been crucial to me. I call it my aha moments. Uh, and I have a mentor, which I think is very important. And 10 years ago, I want to say five, but I think it was 10 years ago. Uh, he said something to me that he called accelerated maturation. Uh, and I feel like you have these aha moments. So I'm going to share a story later about one of my aha moments. And that's what I mean about mindset. So it's not just happy for happiness sake, I truly believe that that positive mindset has led to a lot of the accomplishments that I have. Uh, anything to say for this introduction? Yeah, I mean, I 100% agree with you with mindset because yeah, I feel like sometimes you say it and it garners up this image of like, I'm from Woodstock, New York, so I feel like it garners up a little bit of like my hippie roots. And, <laughs> and I, you know, I always challenge anybody who comes out and was like, well, it's not all about mindset. And I really believe a lot of it is mindset and positive, you know, and that being positive attitude, like we just said with the, with asking for a raise and having it not happen, that doesn't mean it's over. That's your first no. So you have an opportunity to then to change that no into a yes. So let's talk a little bit about, I'll turn it over to you to walk through some of these, but uh, the importance of job choices and then how to make informed job choices. So anything uh, that you want to call out here among these op um, options? So we've said here, um, and for all those that want to go through the replay and kind of look through all the granular data, but I put basically all of the high paying jobs, six figure jobs, and you'll see a lot of them um, require advanced degrees. And so that's not always the natural choice or a choice that somebody wants to make because you have to spend a lot to get to these degrees. Um, that being said, some people don't know what they want to do and know that they want they don't want to be an entrepreneur and that they want a traditional job. And so and not everyone's tied to whatever that traditional job is going to be. Some people fall into it. Some people know when they're 10. And so here are just some of the traditional jobs you can go down these career paths and you'll make the six figures. Um, but I also wanted to highlight um, kind of more off the beaten path ones that people don't talk about as much. You know, we have nurse practitioner, doctor, dentist, right? You're going to make six figures. Um, but dental hygienist can make six figures, especially with a specialty. Um, court stenographer, I put down the average based on Google is 77,000. It's, it can be a lot higher depending on the area. You also can get freelance work and overtime, not to mention if you're with a state or city, you can get a pension. Um, real estate uh, also, you can make six figures either as an agent or as a combination agent broker. Um, and then I put down plumber. Um, the trades jobs, especially more recently, as if you own your own trades business, you can um, make a lot of money as a, a tradesperson. And these are all positions... Oh, and I, the other one that I found that I didn't know about, Marcus, was In and Out Burger. Oh yeah, yeah, I saw that you listed that. Yeah, but uh, so I, I've I've seen like consistently that uh, managers and franchisers, these companies like McDonald's and these large organizations, they make a lot of money. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, I agree with you that. I've it's, seen it's, it like locally and upstate. We have not going to name the company, but we have a company that's privately owned, but in the same uh, vein as. Uh, fast food, not exactly fast food, but similar. And you can do really, really well if you move up the ranks and you can start as a regular counter person and move up to manager or manager of multiple locations and make six figures. And so I think 
what I wanted to highlight here is you can go your traditional path of six figure, which everyone thinks, you know, doctor, lawyer, dentist, that whole, you know, arena, nurse practitioner. And but there's also this other off the beaten path where you don't have to spend as much on education, but you still have the opportunity for six figures. So yeah, I know no. somebody right now who's reevaluating their career and was trying to figure out something they would like where they would have good income and a transferable skill set, meaning you could work at different locations. And so, um, it's one of these jobs, which I think is really interesting because then you're like taking a step back, reevaluating, you know, what you want your income to be and trying to figure out a job that will align with how much education you want to get versus, you know, the, the return on that investment. Yeah. And I think we'll talk a little bit about uh, the importance of certification later in the, in the presentation, but once again, uh, I'm an auditor, but by coincidence, and I say that because I didn't do re any research, but I stumbled into a career field. So I did like everything I know is now in hindsight. Now, so I'm telling you all with all the wisdom of ignorance or all the wisdom of, of wisdom. I don't know. Um, you, learn, you can learn from our mistakes. <laughs> exactly. Uh, but I do remember I went into audit to your point because I was I had a job. I was doing data entry. And I just happened to be looking at open opportunities. And I saw auditor pay twice as much as what I was doing. I graduated college at the time. And I'm like, I'm going to do that. <laughs> so, and I applied three times and the same guy interviewed me every time. So I think I just broke him down by the third time. Plus, I knew all the questions by then. So I was like, hey, B. Like, I knew every answer to the question he was going to ask. So he's like, you don't get hired, this guy. Uh, we're great friends. Follow uh, not on Facebook. We're friends on LinkedIn. So I don't know how official it is. Um, but for me, certifications have been cheaper ways for me to get more money. And I've learned over the years that I use the uh, Occupational Outlook Handbook. If y'all want to search or Google it, uh, say that uh, it's from the Bureau of Labor Statistics, which I know everybody researches. Uh, the other popular ones are PaySpill, Glassdoor and Salary.com. But I think mm -hmm. the theme of the conversation is just knowing how much you're worth and how much you should get paid. Yep. But I stumbled into a career that had like 20 percent job growth. So the average is like six to 10 if there's any job growth. And like the ceiling is limitless, like you can be an auditor forever. And then there's so many other fields you can go into. A lot of us are CPAs or a lot of CPAs become auditors. You can go into legal. I have a friend that's looking into becoming a lawyer. Uh, some become financial planners like yourself or vice versa, go from financial planning to audit. But I did all this by accident. <laughs> so we're, we're telling you to do your research, basically. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then from there, once you figure out what your career, you know, what path you want to go down, um, I feel like this doesn't get talked about enough, but the salary band. So what a company is willing to pay for that specific role, there's usually obviously a low, a, a middle and a high. Um, these bands are usually tied to, depending on the company, uh, position title. Um, and so my little story here is I then took a job at Credit Suisse. They were hiring for a specific um, title. I, based on my experience, really should have been the title above. But to me, it was a title. I don't really care what the title is. I wanted a certain salary. And the HR woman said to me, well, I can't pay you that salary because it's beyond the band. And I was like, the what? <laughs> I was like, not because of my skills, not because, you know, I like to me, it was like, what what band? And so um I asked her more about it and she's like, well, you know, you're going to be brought in at this level, this level, this, the top salary I can pay you is here. And I was like, we'll change the band, like put me in a different title. And she's like, well, I can't, I can't just do that. And I was like, well, okay, well then I'm not taking the job. And so I went back to the person hiring me who wanted me to, for the role, like I had already worked with them. And so I was like, well, the, the issue we're running into is I'm not going to take the job for the salary. So you're going to need to change the, the position, like the level of 
right. of the position. And so that's, that's what they ended up doing. And it, you know, took a little back and forth, but had I not inquired, I would have just been told the top was X and it, it was X, but once we switched the, the, the position, like the actual title they gave me, the band was much wider and I could go right. way higher. And then that also meant once I was in the company, there was a lot more room for growth internally as well. And so I think knowing, and a lot of this, as you pointed out, like salary.com, a career builder, a lot of these bands or, you know, what other companies are paying are readily available online for specific jobs. And if not, you can network and find other people at competitor, you know, competing companies and find out what their, what their band is and kind of use that as a benchmark. Yeah. I'm laughing. Cause first of all, the bands are made up (laughs) and they're usually like, they're antiquated. Like you don't know where they come from. And I say that because I've been on the hiring manager side. I am on the hiring manager side. Like I hired my division and I've been doing it for about seven years now. And yeah, the, the, pro, the what's funny is what you're talking about is usually happening behind the scenes. So if somebody asks mm-hmm. for salary or we can't match that band, we just go internally like, oh, is it possible? If we're really interested in the candidate, like can we bump into this band or what other qualification? Or we just might let them know that we have another job opening with a different title that's already in the band. But those bands, I guarantee you, are made up. So that's why I was cracking up when she was like, oh, but, but the band. And I could, I know people like that. I've had people like turn down like candidates that I wonder like because of the band. And I'm like, call that person back up. I'll, I'll switch the band because it's really paperwork. It's like, tell me where they yeah. need to be. So it, what they're yeah. saying is it's not the band, but it's because somebody didn't check the box. If you're lucky digitally, don't let me get started on this. Yeah, check paperwork. the box on a piece of paper for the other band. So for those of you who have made it an uh, additional 15 minutes, you are going to be rewarded with your webinar bonuses. There we go. That should be sharing. I'm getting an ellipsis. I think that's publishing right now. Someone in the chat can confirm. Let me jump back over to the chat. So another bonus is your webinar bonuses. I'm going to give you my debt-free plan. So it's a four-week plan for how I paid off $30,000 in debt. I'll send that right to your inbox. Again, if you're mobile or you're like panicking right now because you're like driving down the street, which you should not be on the phone, (laughs) uh, we'll email this out to you, but you get the live bonuses. And once again, if you're on the podcast or watching the replay, I don't know what to tell you. Uh, so you can catch us live again. So I'll jump back in the chat. I wanted to reward people with that one. That one was giving me, it says sharing. So I'm, I'm going to assume it's out there. <laughs> There's also new technology. So I'm, I'm, oh, see. we got it. Got it. Thank you for telling okay. us. Yeah, it's, it seems to be working. Yeah, I have faith. Again, positive mindset. Yeah, practicing what I preach. <laughs> I'll let so, you take this because this is yeah. something you use personally. So I can tell my story now on the continuing professional education. So it's a two part story. Uh, so this now I'm about three jobs in. I've had like seven. So I'm about three jobs in. Um, I'm younger than 27 because I remember I moved to Colorado at age 27, Denver, Colorado for that other job. Shout out to the Denver Knights who may or may not be in the chat room. Um, and I remember I got two certifications. I'm a certified internal auditor now, and I got a certification in government professional uh, certified. Go- you see how important the certification is. It, it's a CGAP. It's the certification. I haven't said it out loud in so long. I just know the acronym. And I only got it because it was free. <laughs> like my job was like, hey, if you get certifications and you pass the test, we'll reimburse you for it. I was like, I have nothing to do. You know, I'm 27 or whatever. I'm pretty good at taking, at least I used to be. I haven't taken the test in a while. At that time, I was good at taking tests. Like I'm good at studying information, memorizing and regurgitating it on a test. And so I passed the test, uh, took two times on the accounting portion. And then I'm applying for jobs. And 
I have the conversation with the boss about the movie, about the salary range that I made up because I wasn't expecting to negotiate salary. And he's like, well, what's your salary expectations? I'm going to go ahead and say the movie. Y'all can go. It's on YouTube. I've actually looked it up. It's Soul Food. There's a scene in Soul Food. Yes, that Soul Food movie, that 15, 20 year old Soul Food movie with Big Mama. And there's a scene where they, the protagonist <laughs> is like, I make 70000 a year. And actually, he says 80000 I thought I heard 70000 because it's five <laughs> years later. And I'm like, yeah, I want 70000 Because it sounded like so much money when I was 15 and I watched this impressionable movie. And my friend slash then director slash Facebook friend now was like, all right. Like, I think I literally, we were on the phone, but I think I heard him shrug his shoulders. And I have... <laughs> I have wondered to this day how much money I could have asked for. Like, I really think had I done my research, I would know. And I'm talking to him years later, a few raises later, and a few, I've actually got promoted uh, to supervisor at that time. And I was like, hey, you know, just curious, like, why did you hire me? Like, you know, because I'm, I'm looking at candidates and everything like that. And he's like, well, you had two certifications. And I knew somebody like that had certifications like that as a real go-getter, you know, that they'll really go above and beyond. And I'm sitting here thinking in my head, like, I got those because they were free. <laughs> so... But he didn't know that. <laughs> yes, exactly. So the moral of the story there is, number one, see a lot of people like we have training dollars that we never go through. Every job I've been at, we have training dollars. And it's always a budget line item that's like flush. Like everything else is like, oh, we can't do it. We can't, we can't buy new chairs. We can't do the ergonomic chairs. But we always have hundreds of thousands of dollars in training dollars. So see if your company has training dollars. That's the call to action because you might be able to get this stuff for free. If they yeah. do not ask who does, because I guarantee you there's a department sitting on training dollars right now, and it's June <laughs> so, as we're doing right. this presentation. So see what the training is available. And then even if not, let's do the math there. So that raise, like you, I got a 40% raise, and I think it was around 30,000. Uh, yeah. It's 20,000, it's 20,000. So I went from 50 to 70. It could have been 80 for all I know. But that being said, um, I paid $500 and it was reimbursed, but $500 for those two certifications versus 50,000 for a master's. I was looking at the data master's yeah. program out. It came out of 50,000 and that's permanent. I'm getting a student loan, 7% or three to 7% interest. 6.8% interest there. <laughs> yeah. Like the return on investment, I got $20,000, even though I didn't know I was going to, uh, because I took time to study for a test and get the little $500 certification. And I think it's even easier to do now with everything that's available online. Well, yeah, I was going to say, it's, I think it's 100% easier. I took some certifications. I had to like go downtown, sit through a class, and now I'm sure a lot of stuff you can do online. Similar. Um, when I took that test, it was literally only available, like you had to go down to a testing room. And now like I've got this back in my day story, like all these kids, like you can just take it online. You can register yeah. online, take the course I, online. It's less. It used to be four parts. Now it's three. I'm like, these kids, man, they got so easy. <laughs> we used to walk both ways uphill. Exactly. So, yeah. uh, so I'll turn it over to you. Uh, walk us through the importance of salary negotiation. Okay. So I feel like this is one of my strong points. And I tell all of my friends and anybody who will listen to me, the salary negotiation is so important, especially when you're getting that first job. Like Marcus, as you said, that's like, you're, that's where you have the, I think, um, the most opportunity for advancement in salary, that first getting in the door, that first role. And then from there, you want to continue to negotiate. Um, I think it's important, as I said, to know your salary range or that band that you're in. So, And yes, I agree. I think it's totally made up. But if they go by that, it's important to kind of figure out, out where that is. Um, I think it's also really important to 
obviously be professional, but also bring business justification on why you deserve a raise, what you've done for the business. And as I said earlier, I see specifically more with women, um, either they're, they don't want to ask because it's uncomfortable. And if they do ask, I've heard, you know, when people have practiced with me, well, but I really need to get a raise because I need to pay for my health insurance or I need I have student loans or I have rent. That is not your employer's concern, in my opinion, when you're negotiating a raise. What you need to say to them is, this is what I'm delivering. This is the value I'm providing to the company. And this is why I deserve a raise because I'm bringing X and therefore I want to get Y. And so I think it's really important that you bring business um, justification for your raise into the into the meeting. And then um, I would document the conversation. If they've agreed to a raise, I would send a summary email. Thank you for your time. Here are the things we discuss just so you get that confirmation. And if it's a no, I don't think that's bad. Um, now that I, you know, looking back on my time at Bloomberg and Credit Suisse, um, a no isn't bad. A no just gives you an opportunity to then maybe improve what you're working on in in your role, maybe what you're working on, you thought was important. And the manager says, you know, actually that's not going to help you get to a raise. Here's what we want you to do. So I, I would look at a no as an opportunity for improvement and to come back in six months or 12 months to, to bring it up again. And I would document and ask what they need from you in order to continue to grow. And I would, I would think, and Marcus, now that you're a you know, hiring manager, um, I would think that if you have somebody on your team who wants to grow and improve uh, their contributions to the company that that's a positive yeah the only the only um exception to then i think it'll be relevant again because this happened in uh, the great recession in 2008 was have we had freezes so we used to do cost of living yeah. adjustments in denver and then we froze them for three of that like five to eight year period so a lot of people were saying or for their um there's a term for it, but it's basically when you bring them up to what you would have done for those years that you had freeze. I imagine that is relevant again during the pandemic as well. So that's a, that is the one exception, I think. And I agree with you that it should be a business justification. I think that is uh, the greater probability for uh, your salary negotiation. But you can say, hey, we used to do bonuses and our bonuses have been frozen for two years. So I'm asking for this additional salary increase, our negotiation, because we, uh, to bring me up to pace to what I would be, from y'all's commitment. Yeah. So you're basically holding the, the, the company accountable. I've seen that those negotiations go uh, well, go better than just like you're saying like, oh, I need more money because I need more money, you know. My I have bills. New shoes, exactly. Like, you know, uh, I don't know how that does anything for me. Uh, but I do agree with you. Uh, even as a manager, I sometimes hate how I get pigeoned by the, the bureaucracy of corporate <laughs> as well because like, it's almost like I, I, I use it like an apartment search. Like, you know how they try to lure you in with one bedroom free and six months free. And then like, once you're hired, they're like, hey, can I have a 3% raise? And yeah, like, no, can I have a cost no. of living adjustment? Like, we can't do it, can't do it. But like a new hire comes in, they're like, can I have 20%? We're like, we gotta have them, <laughs> whatever, whatever it takes to get them. So it's like, we treat our current employees worse than we the people that were trying to get into the door. But I get it because we're competing with the market at yeah. the door. And once and you're here, it's just like, when you have a job and you're going to get another job, you have, I feel like you're in such a position of power to be like, I currently am employed. I don't need to take this position. I need you to meet these things. And as we talked about, you've moved for jobs. So I think looking at if you're going to be moving that cost of living, taking all those things into consideration and also taking into consideration, we'll talk a little bit about this in a minute, but your benefits. So if you're losing a match versus not having a match, those sort of things should be taken into consideration when you're negotiating your salary. So 
because I've heard people that are going to go for the same salary and then they're not getting health, not getting health insurance coverage or not getting a 401k match or not getting an HSA and the salary is the same or maybe 5,000 more, but actually you went down because if all of those benefits were added up, you actually, so I think you have the biggest opportunity to make a big jump, especially when you're going from job to job. Uh, and to your point, I'm actually, because they don't do a lot of things, even though I love them because they're my employer. But one thing they do well is my company has their uh, the total compensation package. It's like right there in my HR screen. Yeah. Uh, so I can see what you're talking about. I can see my pension. I can see my health care plan. I can see that plus my salary. So Pension, my favorite word. Yeah, a lot of a lot of people have to manually calculate that. So mm -hmm. uh, if you have to manually calculate it uh, from the audit perspective, we usually do about 30 percent. Um, budget may do something. Finance is what I'm talking about. They may do something different because they know the exact numbers, but they call it a bundled rate. So like when people are talking their salaries, they're like, oh, I make one hundred thousand. But your bundled rate might be one hundred seventy four thousand with all all the all the all things the that you're talking about that is available yep. to you. So if you don't know that, especially if you're going to make this transition to entrepreneur, you need to know it. So you need to need to estimate it or you might just go to finance and say, hey, can I have my bundled rate? They might not yeah. like you, <laughs> but I guarantee you they can calculate it for you. In order to pay you, they have to know what their pay, what their cost is for the employee. So they know what everything is costing them. Yeah, they know it. They might not want to tell you, yeah, but they know. Uh, so I like companies that just put it out there. So kudos to my company for doing that. But your bundled rate would be what you would have to make if you're going to employ yourself. A lot of people don't think about that. They're like, oh, I make 100000 I just need to make 100000 I'm like, no. <laughs> uh, no. You would be gravely disappointed with the results of that. Uh, so I'll keep sharing the webinar bonuses. I have another 15 minutes, well, about two minutes to that bonus that we're going to give to you for those on the live webinar, that is. So. And y'all are still rocking with us. I'm looking at the numbers. Okay. Yeah, attention, you know? All right. Kudos to us. Uh, let me jump back over to the window. Sorry, folks. I got to click around a little bit. Oh, right, right there. Yeah. So you want to jump with side hustles? Yeah. So for those, so Marcus and I are big believers in side hustles. Obviously, we both have one from our day jobs. Um, I think this is a great way that if you really like your traditional job and it's wonderful, but you're looking to move the needle with extra income, side hustles are the way to go. Um, and there's so many opportunities with side hustles. And I would say even more now with COVID, like everybody was online during COVID. So I feel like there's just more opportunities for that. But just to throw out a couple uh, real estate, so Airbnb, taking on a roommate, not everyone likes that idea, but you could do it for six months or 12 months just to like improve your financial situation to save some more money for, I don't know, um, a wedding or a vacation or whatever. None of these all, and I always say this, you could always do this as like a six month thing or a 12 month thing. None of this has to be permanent. Um, dog walking, I know people that make a ton of money dog walking who love dogs, wouldn't be my side hustle. I don't think I could control like five dogs, but there's a lot of opportunity out there. And then another one is using your skills. So um, tutoring, you know, if you're athletic, maybe training or coaching, there's a lot of different ways to increase your earning potential. Yeah. And as far as the skills go, I, th I think we're both relative examples of it. As I talked about here, like uh, the podcast, I used to blog, I freelance, right. But I did all those things. I tell people, just look at your resume. Like, what is your job already paying you for? Like, I was already writing. I, the, the only difference was I, I started freelance writing as a creative outlet because I would write these audits wow. that were like 90 to 100 pages long that I'm pretty positive nobody read. I'm not even positive my boss read them based on some of the comments that he had sometimes. <laughs> and I'm like, you were like, that's you know. on page 87. <laughs> exactly. I'm like, 
I want to do something that will be meaningful and have purpose. So, you know, what are you doing right now? And then same thing. I, I joke with people. I do it professionally now. But this voice changed when I was 16. And everybody kept saying, you have a radio voice, but podcast didn't exist. And I didn't know how to get on the radio. So when podcast came available and anybody can do it, I was like, I'm going to launch podcast and see what happens. And now I do voiceover and now I, I, I get resource for it. So looking at your resume and looking at the natural skills that you already have. Uh, and part of that is the 80-20. Um, I talk about saving 20% of your income. So this is another one of those tweets. This one actually got like 100 and something like that. It's actually one of the most popular articles that I did uh, when I was writing for Go Banking Rates. But I also want to talk a little bit, you know, the why. So if you can do some of those side hustles, uh, you know, some of these are like an hour or two a day. Um, I'm right waiting for the contract to get signed. But I'm working on a contract right now that will like be a, a monthly stipend. And I'm just going to put it right into the investment account. Uh, so it'll be down there. I'm between 35 and 40. Well, I have a number in mind. I'm not sure. I haven't negotiated yet. So I'm not, it's between those two numbers as well. <laughs> so I like to uh, round yeah. down with age, Marcus. <laughs> I'm, I'm, oh, those last two numbers. I'm, I'm between 40 and 35 is what I'm saying. Yeah. And the number that I hope to get on this contract, they might be in the listening audience, uh, is between those two numbers, too. If they're in the listening audience, the higher side. <clears throat> that being said, but I, I, I want you all to have that so you can kind of see how all of this connects, which is why I use this inter interconnected figure. Uh, you want to take this uh, mindset slide? Yeah. So we've talked about, about positive thinking and mindset, which is from where I'm from, not the hippy-dippy mindset, but it really lends itself to success. And so I think first off, especially what we saw with the statistics with women. So believing it is possible that you can earn six figures, even seven figures, which is going to be our next webinar, um, creating a plan on how you're going to get there and what that path is going to look like. So identifying if you're going to be going the traditional source or traditional way with supplementing with side hustles, or if you're going to go the entrepreneur route, um, and then be resourceful, just like what market says, um, look at your resume and see what your skill set is and see if you can leverage that um, and be creative. I would say be gritty because it's not always going to be a yes out of the gate. And so sometimes you're going to get no's and no's are OK. There's nothing wrong with the no. Um, and then it's important to invest in yourself and your business. And Marcus, you know this, too, but we have to sometimes you have to spend money to make money, which is always kind of a terrifying um, concept. But if you're going to be starting a business or a side hustle, you're probably going to need a website and need to spend a little bit of money to get it going. Yeah. Um, and then I would say in addition to mindsets, we'll talk a little bit about good habits as well so that you actually benefit from this six figure salary that you're not just having the salary and then not moving the needle from your personal finance life. It's important to have the mindset and then the habits that go with this. Yeah. And to your point, the reason I was making the face is because I gravely underestimated how much money I'd have to spend. But I'm able to spend that money because of the growth of the salary that I had at the day job. So that's why I, I, unlike most people, when people ask me like, what do you need to become an entrepreneur? I said, don't quit your day job. It is because I had the day job that I had the funds to invest in the side business. And more importantly, I have like a two part story for me is they basically paved my way to do so. And then I also, I had like that, again, that training budget. So I would take speaking training at work which benefited my job and they benefited from. I would take writing training, but then I'd go home and I'd speak on the podcast and I'd write on the blog. So my side hustles became better and more refined. So I started off as a blogger and I was able to pick up freelance writing gigs because people saw how well I wrote. And then on the other side of that, they saw that I consistently wrote. 
And that's a big thing because a lot of people, as it goes to mindset, they'll do something inconsistently for like a week or two. We call it the podcast graveyard. It was the blog graveyard yeah. before that. I'm sure it was the MySpace graveyard before that. Like people have this great idea and it literally is a great million dollar, six, seven figure idea. But then they do it for two, three weeks. They don't get rich and they're like, uh. <laughs> you know, it's so like I delivered consistently. And I also had that day job salary growing behind me. But what happened to me, and I think a lot of people, is my salary stagnated. And because I'm an auditor and I have access to the data tables, I literally knew that I knew at 27 is when I looked it up. But I knew at 27 that I, at the age I am now, my salary was going to inevitably stagnate and plateau. Right. And it wasn't if, it was when. Right. And so I was like, oh, I need to start finding because I was not OK with that conclusion. I was like, that salary is not enough for me. I need to start finding ways to grow it. So I started putting this plan together at 27. The only thing I would say, because um, I know some people in the audience are like, how, why, how did you know? For me, it was mentors. Very, I had like three great, two of which I still have mentors. And then business coaches now. So I have two business coaches now. And this is exactly what we do. They ask me what I want to accomplish. And then they they hold me accountable. And that seems very simple, but like I can't start the podcast and let it fall. I can. <laughs> I tried to. But then the next month I have to come to them. They're like, I thought you were gonna start the podcast last month. I was like, Well, you know, the cat was sick and you know, I think I, I thought I had the COVID and they're like, Marcus, you're fine. Don't aren't you vaccinated? And I'm like, you know, I don't need these questions. And so like I can't fall off. I've got somebody holding me accountable. Um, your your thoughts on this Warren Buffett quote? So, I mean, I love Warren Buffett. He is one, I think he's probably might be the only or one of the few that actually created his entire net worth, which is vast from investing in other people's company. He's not an entrepreneur. I mean, he's an entrepreneur, but he really made his wealth from investing in other people's companies. Um, and I think that you also have to change your mindset to, to take advantage of getting to the six figure income and have these habits. So, I call this budgeting backwards. It really should be forward, but I call it budgeting backwards because most people don't do it this way. But um, you do not save what is left after spending, but spend what is left after saving. And so just like we're talking about if you wanted to get a business going or to change your you know, path, you have to be diligent about setting your goals and sticking to them. And the same thing with your spending. So if you're hitting the six-figure salary, whether just in one job or with you know a side hustle or multiple side hustles, it's important to target what you want to save out of that increased income and then spend what's left over versus the reverse. Um, and someone in the chat just popped in that they struggle sometimes with the plans they make. Start. I think you're better off starting small and sticking to it than going to, I think some people would go a little too lofty and then it's hard to stick with the plan because it's so much. So like you talked about, if you get the stipend, it's like one to two hours so if you if you do something that's manageable from a time standpoint, um, I think it's easier to stick with it because I think the key with all of this is consistency. Yeah, and I'm about to jump back in the chat here, so I appreciate you for doing so. Another thing that I found is, uh, and this is what I'll be talking about over the next few months for the podcast. I've broken it into season one and season two. Is you know people are looking for the secret. I think there was quite literally the secret like ten years ago. That was the whole yeah, the book. <laughs> exactly. I think I read it. <laughs> so uh, you can see how much I remember. Uh, but that being said, what I, for me, the secret is actually failing. And it's funny because like I have failed, this is what I keep track of is all the failures. I have failed at so many things. Like it, it is ridiculous. And 
I just keep trying new things. In the grand scheme of thing, like three things, which is a very small percentage. If y'all knew all the things I've started, <laughs> is a very small percentage. Like three took off. Um, some of you know them. It's the podcast, the business now, uh, a lot of which I learned from the first business. So it's my second business. But I was, you know, everything goes faster. The other quote that Warren Buffett has, that's why I'm like, man, I must be an auditor because it's the one I always have in my presentations. It's if you don't learn to make money while you sleep, you'll work until you die. And then everybody's like, ooh, I open my presentations with this. They're like, ooh, you know. So but then I go, I try to go positive from there. Um, but like I I it's safe failure. So I take calculated failures. When I'm doing all these things online, I try to start a media company. <laughs> I know nothing about media. <laughs> and it's like, you know, I didn't realize that kind of risk appetite. I wouldn't even call it a skill set, but it's just like, well, I got a job. So if it fails, the worst case scenario is I go back to nine to five. Like I'm, I, yeah. I, right now, I don't know that the I'm actually not even sure what I'm going to do with the podcast. It was my business coach. I'll tell you exactly what happened. We were talking about what I want to accomplish with the business. And he was like, well, you need to start the podcast back up. And I was like, you know, it's a lot of work and I got to do this and I got to do that. It's an hour episode. And he was like, why does it have to be an hour? And I was like, because we've always done an hour. He's like, why don't you talk until you don't feel like talking anymore than in the podcast? And I was like. So, you know, I have podcasts that are nine minutes. I have podcasts that are 36 minutes. But the reason he told me to do that, what we call our call to action, he's like, you need your voice out there mm -hmm. in front of an audience. The audience will come and then you'll figure the rest out. He's like, you just need the platform. He's like, I don't care. He's like, drop 25 episodes. I don't care what you do with it. I don't care what the episodes are about. He's like, just drop 25 episodes. I'm calling that season one because <laughs> so, and then I'm allowing that for me to book guests because I know booking guests works and you know that like it's a growth formula we yeah. used to call it the uh, hockey stick you do all these things that fail and then something takes off yep. and I, I, I'm all, and now I'm seeing it so he said this like this was middle of the pandemic when we were talking but I'm like all the metrics are turning green now so for those who don't like run data dashboards but you probably know this like it used to be red, like all my numbers were down and all my arrows were doing this. And I felt like uh, I'm going to be stuck in the nine to five forever and this pandemic will never end. And now they're all turning green. And now I'm seeing revenue. I get to pay myself very much, which I freaking love. And again, that that comes from, I don't know, I'll say another way a guy said it that we, we did for, um, he was actually at the company, which is funny. He, he, I wanted to quit my job that day, <laughs> the motivational speaker. <laughs> and he was like, you, the, the best thing I can tell you um, is to fail as quickly as possible. Yeah. He's like, we learn the most from our failures. We take what worked and we move to the next project and then we fail and then we take what worked and we move to the next project until we eventually only have things that work. So I, I, hashtag the secret. I don't know. <laughs> Agreed. I agree. Um, and so if you haven't yet, I think this would be a good time. We've got a few more slides here, but I'll do the last five minutes here with the final offer. If you, I'm going to need you to start talking because i got to jump to another screen. Okay, so you're going to jump to it. Now, so, mind you, I'm going to email you all the bonuses. So I just yeah. stopped sharing the bonus. You're like, I didn't click it. It'll be in your inbox if you register for the webinar, which you did because you're watching right now. Go ahead. Yes, we will send out all the bonuses. Um, so thank you for sticking with us. We're almost done. We have a couple more slides, um, which you don't want to miss because we're going to talk about favorite books, which goes in right with habits and mindset with believing that you can do this and then not getting caught up in the failure part of it because 
everyone has failed. If I had showed you my first website, it was terrifying. It was a terrible, terrible website. It's very embarrassing. I still keep it though, just because I spent so much time and energy on it. But um, just wanted to brush on this. We talked about how much you need to invest that, that um, Instagram or tweet that you put out that did really well. Um, we talk about Obviously, when you get up to the six figure, you want to make sure ideally you're investing some of that money. You want to make sure you have a cash reserve. This is just that way. If you're especially if you're going to be doing a side hustle or you're going to be transitioning into entrepreneurship or putting together a bunch of side hustles, you always want to make sure you have that cash on hand um, so that if, as we talked about, if it doesn't go the way you plan it to go or it costs more money, it doesn't disrupt the rest of your life, uh, depending on what stage you are in achieving the six figure Goal. Funny you say that about the website because my MySpace is still out there. Unfortunately, it's not that hard to find, but I was smart enough to, I think, get rid of all the incriminating evidence. I say that because I, I couldn't delete it if I wanted to. I don't know the password. I don't know the website. I don't know the email. <laughs> and so we wanted to end with, uh, this is all your resources. So I've been dropping these in the chat room. The one that's live right now is you'll get 50% off for those who are participating. I keep dropping this, folks, because, you know, there has to be a reward for showing up like, there, yeah. uh, you know, you get uh, was the early bird. I'm sure there's some other better quotes. Um, so these are the three books. This will also be in your webinar bonuses. And if I had to recommend one, this is my my most recent read. Actually, it's The Simple Path to Wealth. So if you read no other book, I'd recommend all three of these. And there'll be a, a book review video that you can watch. It'll be in your webinar bonuses. Um, I'd say The Simple Path to Wealth. So do you have a book that like is your one go to that you would recommend? Yeah. And I actually was like, if you see my books back here, I lent it out because I like to share my books with people. So mine is Rich Dad, Poor Dad is one of my favorite. I also love The Millionaire Next Door, which is on my desk back there. Um, but Rich Dad, Poor Dad was one of my favorites. And I think maybe a little it related a little bit more to me because it talks about entrepreneurship. Um, but The Millionaire Next Door is also one of my favorite books, too. It would be a toss up, I think. Um, and then I just wanted to oops, not hit the wrong button. <laughs> and so for, uh, I guess for all of our listeners, I think that reading all these books, Marcus did a great challenge where he read every day and got through so many books. I, I tried and I didn't get through as many books as Marcus, but all of these books, you learn a little bit and you learn from someone else's perspective, a different tidbit. And if you get through a couple of them, you'll learn different strategies and techniques. And I think it's nice to hear it. Um, and a lot of these are time tested. So Rich Dad, Poor Dad is an older book. Uh, the Millionaire Next Door is an older book. Um, another one, Think and Grow Rich, much older book, but they get you know revised, but the, the concepts are all the same and all so important. And you can learn a lot from these uh, books. And I'm gonna jump back into the chat. Uh, I can't speak for Barbara, but I'll, I'll stay a few minutes behind. I, I say that because I know some of you got kids, probably a wife or a loved one yelling at you right now, like you said an hour. <laughs> so I'm gonna honor that commitment as far as the presentation goes. And this will actually, it was in your webinar bonus. If you download it, we'll also email this out to you. Give me about 10 minutes. I'll get all this out to you for those of you who are live and then follow Barbara at this information. And follow you. And you can find me at the Marcus Garrett. I'm universally branded. So I'll jump back over here to the chat. I'm not hard to find. And let's see what the questions are. Any yeah. any final questions? For, thank you. Thank you, Kia. Yeah, thank you everyone for joining. Hope everyone found this helpful. And if you have any questions. Yeah, drop them in the chat. This is your opportunity. Thank you for joining once again. Uh, there is a whiteboard, but I probably messed it up. I, tried to vow to use as little technology as possible in here. 
Um, if you didn't get to access that live link uh, for my courses, use future rich one word. So I stole that from Barbara. <laughs> so that'll be your bonus. You'll get 50% off and I'll shoot that over to your inbox in about 30 minutes here. I'm going to pull all this together. Yeah. Thank you, Jamie. Thank you again, Kia. Thank you. All right. Um, I'll do a 10 second countdown just so I don't miss anybody because I am about to fall up out of this chat and I want to be like, I had a question. So nine. Thank you, Anthea. Seven. <laughs> and then Barbara, just so I don't cut you off, uh, if you have anything else to say, four. Uh, this would be no, I'm good. Days. <laughs> Thanks, everybody, for joining. I'm assuming, too, that there are no more questions. <laughs> oh, ah, see, that's yeah. why I did the countdown. So they pulled the job opportunity. I get my initial thing would could go in and ask why and see if there's an opportunity for it to be available again. I guess that would be my gut reaction to it. What do you think, Marcus? Yeah, I, mean, I misread it. So she's saying it, it looks like uh, they pulled the differential away after training. Mm -hmm. First of all, I'm going to acknowledge that you're right to feel cheated. I mean, yeah. I know. Uh, I, Hopefully it's in the large organization does not a sponsor. Yeah. <laughs> With that being said, I don't know what to say. That does seem unfair. So I would try to, to Barbara's point, try to get more information about why that took place. Yeah, um, I would try to get context. Uh, and then if you want to email me, I'm Marcus at themarcusgarrett.com. Uh, if you want to give me more details, I'll come up with a more um, in-depth response to that question. But I, I think you're right to feel cheated. But generally speaking, um, Going back to the mindset, not being a hypocrite, I try to, I try to assume there's a reason behind yeah. the action, even if I feel wrong by the action. So I would try to gather more information to the degree possible. Uh, if you want some help on, you know, formulating that conversation, you know, please email me. Uh, my resources, the easiest way is demarcusgarrett.com. Just hit the contact button. Yeah, but I get info and then and then go back with the with the data to to kind of reengage. Man, good thing you did the countdown. Ah, yeah, see, see, that's what I did. So I'll, I'll do five this time. <laughs> Four. Thank you, Megan, for the question. Three. One came in at three last time. Two and a half. <laughs> All right, thanks, everyone. We're going to disconnect. Thank you for those who attended live and those who are listening on the podcast. I'll do an official closeout later on. Have a good one, everyone. Have a good evening. Right. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, 
according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. 